Welcome to This Old App, a podcast about learning, coding, smashing stuff together, breaking things apart, startups, failing, winning, and any other buzzwords we can think of. Oh no, we were mentioning you. Yeah, but it's a secret. You can't. You okay, can't. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> all right. All right. So we're about to start. Yeah, it's already started. So I've got all of that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so before, okay, I'll start right now. So before we started recording, you asked me about Megan, and I mentioned Cyprus. And yeah. immediately her radar picked up and she walked into the living room to see what the heck is Randy talking about? Because Megan is now on the track of code addiction <laughs> where you start learning the very basics of new tools and immediately see their utility and just want to start using them and learning them more. So sure. the, the bigger, the, the whole big picture of this episode um, involves a, an integration, automated integration testing, uh, tool that we'll talk about in a second, but essentially Megan and I worked on a recent project. It's, it was a single page app and it was going to be JavaScript, um, with DOM manipulation and, you know, it would just be basically HTML, CSS, and some JavaScript. And over the course of about two weeks, Megan and I, I introduced her to Node package management, um, bringing in external packages, uh, jQuery for the first time. She had never used jQuery. Um, you know, Shearing knows HTML and CSS pretty well. There are things that she does that I'm like, oh, I've never done that before in CSS. So she's kind of gone beyond me on some of those things. Sure. Um, she learned Bootstrap for the first time. And <laughs> during, and this was a, um, a multi-step application so that certain actions had, to, if you wanted to, to work on step three, you had to actually click on things on one and two to make step three be revealed. Sure. And, she, and she's like, man, it wouldn't be so bad if I didn't have to click on every dang thing just to get certain things showing up to make sure I'm working on step three right. And so I said, all right, then this is a good opportunity. You've hit a pain point. Let's teach you Cyprus. And so that's what today's discussion is, is Cyprus. And... It's a integration um, automated testing library based on JavaScript, uses jQuery. And I'm thinking you've used Selenium before, right? Or you've had a been part yeah, of the Yeah, that, that's Selenium. what I was trying to figure out. I, I was trying to figure out where um, what Cypress was. Um, cause you mentioned it and I'm like, the only Cypress I know is a plant in Florida that if, if you see it growing, that means that it's too swampy there to build a house. Um, <laughs> so, um, when you're describing it there, I'm like, okay, well that sounds like selenium. So, uh, is that the same idea? 
So, well, let's just rewind a second. Are you trying to tell me that there's cypress trees all over Washington, D.C.? <laughs> I don't know. Is that the statement? Washington, D.C. is in a basin. a basin. So it's okay. That swampy area, too. <laughs> so, yeah. So I don't know that, like, I haven't d- dove in very much on Cyprus in the sense of its limitations. I think it only uses Chrome, which is a limit in the sense of, hey, I need to have cross-browser compatibility. I don't know if you're testing it that way. But it is easy as sin to install and use. Like, you can, if you understand jQuery selectors, you can install it in a minute. You can have a test suite running, examples running. You can learn how to visit a local dev server and start clicking on, have it click on things and make assertions. And then instead of you, so one of the steps... One of the steps in this app had seven images and we had the system within a, within a minute, we had the system opening the page, clicking on that first image and verifying that a certain side effect happened after clicking that image. And that was empowering to her, to Megan in the sense that she no longer needed to see if that simple click and check was working it was every time she saved a page that sucker would load the other thing that we had to do was um because it was a static page as soon as we would push up changes the browser would cache the css we had probably five or six javascript or files and probably three to four CSS files and we need to bundle those up. So I also I also introduced her to Partial, which is the plug and play version of Webpack. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever use that, but that's pretty cool too. No. So she basically she learned a crap ton of stuff on this project, um, and got into the idea of builds and deployments and stuff like that. And plenty of GitHub um, branching off. So, but the, going back to Cypress, we all, we had a we were able to integrate our build process with Cypress really quick, and then ha- she was able to run a test to verify that the first part of the program was working, and she no longer had to do the code switch to browser reload page. Click, 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 click. She was all, right. all like she could see live. Did my change break something? Um, and that was empowering on not just the idea of what's the value of testing, but the it was empowering on taking away the probably the most boring aspect of development is repetition of the same thing just to check am I doing this right? That's right. my take. So I don't know what your experience is with, I mean, you've worked with quality assurance teams that actually do the clicks, I think, right? Like they, yeah. And, and they, they would also write selenium tests and things like that. And, and, um, the, 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 the next step I think for, for, to go beyond this is, uh, selenium was also a very good web scraping tool. 
Um, so I, I have a feeling that uh, Cypress could do the same. And if you tie it in with Puppeteer, maybe um, you could teach her how to scrape. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. scraping scraping's all about, you know, open this page, find this selector, pull this uh, text from the selector, move on to this other selector, that sort of thing. So you, yeah, I mean, scraping is essentially if you have a REST API or a GraphQL API, scraping is the illegal API, the copyright infringement API. That, um, but <laughs> it's always, but it gets you the data you may need, and for yeah. firms that don't expose an API for you to use, um, I don't, yeah. I don't know. I feel like Cypress has kind of said we don't want to be a scraping tool but I don't know that that's true or not. Interesting. Um, I, but the, like I've, I've used Cypress way more than I've spent time diving into the innards or the history of it. I've seen vid- well, I, it. Well, that, that statement alone tells me it, it backs up your earlier statement about it being easy to use. Oh yeah. Cause what you're saying is you you're using it instead of having to read through documentation. In, in hindsight, from teaching my full stack boot camp, I would have introduced Cypress to my students um, in that class because it's so easy to get going. Sure. But once you understand node package management, and you can bring that library into your dev dependencies. I mean, it it was really terrific in the, in the implementation for someone at Megan's experience level. So the... Um, now they so then I guess what other details would be important for someone wanting to learn Cypress? I mean, there's obviously the documentation is actually really great when I needed to learn how to do things. Um, I think the most complex thing that I, that we came into was the nature of JavaScript is asynchronous and promises, which if you aren't used to that in a more of a sequential blocking language like Ruby, uh, it can throw you off on why am I doing a dot then? Why am I doing a chain? Like, why am I waiting on what is a promise in the first place? And right. so Cypress runs completely on promises in the sense that if you tell Cypress, like the very simplest command that you put in is cy sci dot get. And then you give it a jQuery like selector. So if it's a class, it's like, let's say you have a class name of something on an element. If you want to grab that element, you would do sci.get and then dot something. If it's an ID, it'd be a hashtag or a, a pound sign. Sure. And so you get that and then, and then something else has to happen. Well, that get is asynchronous because Cypress has to go through and parse the DOM and find how many of those classes it can find. And then it puts them into either, hey, I got one of them or I got a collection. And then you, the tester, has to decide, am I going to use the first element? Am I going to use all of them? And you have to kind of cycle through. And that's when you get into promises. And so I guess it's not as easy for someone that doesn't know JavaScript but if, after you know the basics and if you understand asynchronous JavaScript, then it should be pretty simple to proceed. Now, you can 
you can basically write tests without worrying about the asynchronous part. It would be a lot more boilerplate. And in our case, we had seven elements in the first step that could possibly be chosen, and we wanted to test each one. So that's when we got into, hey, select all of these items, cycle through them, click on them, and check. And we had to get, then get into the promise-oriented world of JavaScript to make sure that the assertions were not running before the actual clicks were done and things like that. So I don't know how easy that would become. Um, right. So let's say uh, let's say I was looking for a, a class a class name paragraph, and on this page there are ten paragraph class uh, instances. Yeah. Can you go sci.get dot um, hashtag uh, para, paragraph bracket five if I knew I wanted the fifth one? I I don't know if you would do that. I we did. Um, well, you can. There is there is a method called first, and we grab that. <laughs> okay. And then because sure. first worked, the next one was each. That's all we did. So sure. I actually can't speak for, is it, does it pull back an array? But what I did notice was, so I console, so we grabbed the first element and I console logged it to see like, what exactly are we getting here? And it was a, it was right. a jQuery wrapped element. We got a J, we sure. got a jQuery object back. I'm like, oh, I didn't even know Cypress used jQuery, which I think is awesome because I still, find that I still think that jQuery did more for front-end development, showing us how it should be. Um, and the JavaScript world followed suit. There's a lot of stuff that jQuery yeah, no introduced yeah. that ES6 was like, okay, we should do some of this. Lodash, um, underscore and Lodash did a lot of other helpful things too. But back to the point of... Um, I feel like if you get back an array from, if you get back a jQuery array from that search, from that selector, it's likely you could do array like zero through five and pick one of those off. But all we did was yeah, and I, you know, I, I, I was I'm not sure that I'm necessarily convinced about whether it's an array or whether there's a way for me to pick off the fifth one. Um, yeah. and, and, and what I'm trying to put this into my world, right? Yeah. So, so my world, my, my way of thinking is I've done, um, I've done scraping with tools like this. So mm -hmm. I'm trying to pull out all the different tools that I would use in a scrape, which is, Hey, you know, give me the fifth paragraph, um, class, give me a query selector all on, um, you know, any link that, that has the class of story link, yeah. uh, things like that. Well, so, I, I, um, the, that, that's what I'm, I am. To. I know you could, let me, let me put it this way. I don't know the syntax, but I know you can, cause I was able to grab first and I'm able to do each. And even at the each level, right. if you know that there's a unique element on that fifth item, you can either, when you do each, you can also check the index of the array, of the collection. So yeah. you could do it by just saying, hey, what index are we on? Oh, we're on four, which would be the 
fit number five of the array items and you could just do your action then. So that's what, so yeah, that, sure. in my mind, I know the syntax I would do for that, but I'm pretty sure you could assign, hey, give me the fifth element out of that collection you got. But right. but the, I think the, the bigger point is that Cypress has a very easy syntax because I was I was going to take that collection and then start doing some of my own JavaScript for each. And then I look in their documentation. I'm like, oh, hey, they got their own each method. We don't need to do all that. And so then we went and cycled through the clicks. And then we found out, oh, this is asynchronous. We've got to handle promises in order to get these tests to link up with the clicks. And that, and I still don't totally understand it. Um, we used a method called wrap, which wrapped the click. And I think it simply created a single thread that the click and check would that were then in sync because what was happening was it was clicking all of them and testing in two separate processes it seemed and sure. once we got the wrap part it all worked and <laughs> as i told megan i don't know why that's working but i like it let's move on <laughs> <laughs> which i'm sure if you're leaning on someone and they're teaching you and all they say is no idea let's just keep going Either that's reassuring that you can be ignorant on things and still develop, or you're like, I need a better teacher. <laughs> I'm not sure which way it goes. Well, I, I, I know I face that same thing. Uh, my, uh, my son was doing some statistics homework uh, last week, and and we, we were going through that, and I was like, okay, here's let, let's walk through the problem. Here, it's, it's multiple choice. We can eliminate that one. We can eliminate that one. Oh, we can eliminate that one. That's your right answer. <laughs> Why did we get there? Mm, yeah, I'm not so sure. But here's the logic in what I use to eliminate it. So maybe that'll help you in the future. Well, that's the thing is like you're not uh, in some cases. It's the whole teaching to fish versus, hey, I just bought you a filet from the grocery store. Like, did you yeah. did I teach her enough there? It's hard to say. I mean, when I talk, I just, I introduced Megan to eight or nine different concepts in application development in two weeks. And I was getting to the point where I'm like, the cognitive load I'm putting on her is more than I could probably withstand and comprehend everything. Not that she couldn't do it, but it's more of, how is she able to understand why we're all these building blocks are working together? And so I was really kind of trying to watch out for that. But I think the, I think she can walk away with understanding Cypress the easiest because it actually replaced a manual process that she was doing otherwise. And yeah, the, that's to me the biggest thing. Now, there's also, I mean, I don't know, I would say over the last two years, a big, there's been a bigger push in the programming world to get away from unit testing and get and move more towards integration testing, which I somewhat agree with. At the very beginning, I like unit testing because I'm building lots of units. Over time, I really care more if all those units are working well together. But I don't think you throw out your unit test after that necessarily. Right. But I like, and, and 
the the new position I'm moving to has a quality assurance code like testing team, and I have no idea what they use. My guess is they don't use Cypress. They probably use Selenium based on the age of the team and what was has always. I mean, Selenium has kind of dominated the market for a long time. Um, but I don't know. I don't know uh, truly what is the most popular approach to some of these testing items. Right. But, and it's funny cause uh, I I've always, I've always fought against testing just not, not because I think it's a bad thing just cause I can't wrap my head around, right. I, I, I've, I've done some testing and I have a hard time wrapping my head around what tests to yeah. write. And yet I use all these testing tools to scrape. Yeah. So I don't know if that's maybe my blocker. Um, it is, is that, that, that I've, I've been able to, uh, I need something built before I can write things for it or not. I don't know. Well, it's hard. Well, there is, I would say of any complexity around testing I've run into myself. Um, and I think we had an episode where I talked about how happy I was. I was doing JavaScript testing, for the first time with uh, Jest and Vue, I think. And yeah, it is very hard to know, is this test of value? Am I testing the internals of a, of a package someone else wrote, or am I testing the behavior that I really want? Am I testing, is this test going to break and make things harder for me down the road? Um, and how do you handle APIs? How do you handle services that you don't control? Because it's one thing if, if I go and use a mock or a stub to re- like, let's say I'm calling out to a API with IMDB, I'm pulling movie data back. Sure. Well, I can't hit IMDB every time I run a test. They'll eventually be like, hey, what the heck is this? Why do you hit us once a day or? 10 times in a minute sometimes, you know, that they're going to catch on to that. And so you have to mock it. You have to basically say, I expect IMDB will send this back and then my code will use it. And so that that's a good test that you have a predicted response and your code can handle it. But you also have to be like, well, what happens when IMDB changes things? And there are, in the Ruby world, there is a, um, a library called VCR where you record, like you make a, an initial call and record what you get back. And then you just keep using that cassette tape recording. That's why it's, you know, they use the whole VCR metaphor and that works sure. pretty well. You still do, you still hit the, the product, their production once in a blue moon, depending on when you let cassettes expire. But I don't know what, People use in the JavaScript world if they do that, but that, those are the choices you have to make when you do that kind of testing. Um, for this particular project, I was like, "Man, unit test, I don't care about. I really just want us to test. Do I want? I want us to be able to automate the smoke tests that we otherwise would use our mouse and click on, because I want to take that out of the process. Because I feel like." that repetitive testing is what makes it not fun is that's like, I feel way more productive when I'm spending my time coding and I get 
immediate feedback versus, oh God, I gotta like I have to make a change, and then I have to go through this multi-step process to see what I broke. That I think that yeah. load, that cognitive load, and that risk factor is what prevents teams from moving forward with products and feature changes. And testing allows that to happen faster with less pain, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and any, any objections I have to testing is all personal, and I don't, I don't ever push that on anyone. Um, I encourage testing wherever I can. It's just more, I don't test my stuff. Yeah. So Cypress versus Selenium. I'm gonna. I'm actually doing a live search on my browser to see like why people. Cypress only. Cypress only supports <laughs> Chrome. Um. But if it supports Chrome, that means it supports Puppeteer, um, which is headless Chrome. Yeah, and that was in June of 2018. So that could have changed, but I don't remember Cypress ever saying. Sure. The other thing that Cypress does well is I've, I'm used to the R spec um, syntax. People in JavaScript would know it as Mocha, where you have a description, and then each assertion, each assertion area starts with an it. So you would basically say, if you would, you would say describe step one, the step one process, and then you would say it you know, registers the correct image when you click on the first button. So when you run your test, you can easily right. identify what test was run and it reads like English. So I like that a lot. Cypress uses Mocha and Chai, for, I think, for its testing suite. So I just found it to be, and I carry with me experience from the Ruby on Rails community and testing which I thought really was excellent. And so Cypress, I think, kind of learned from that area um, and built upon that. So I don't know sure. what else is there to talk about. What I didn't, what we did not do was we didn't hook our Cypress test up to continuous integration. So right now, if we push to Git, GitHub master, it pushes straight to the, oh, that's something else I use new is I used Azure to host the thing. Azure? Is it Azure? How long did that take you to set it up? Um, it took me longer than I, ex I mean, it took me longer than Netlify for sure. And then when it worked, yeah. I didn't know why. <laughs> because, well, it ran... Yeah some NPM commands that I didn't expect it to, because I'm used to going in and telling the hosting mechanism, Hey, you're going to get a deployment. You need to run, you need to install NPM. You need to run this start process or this build process and then start. And I had those in my NPM, my package JSON scripts and it just did it. And I was like, oh, right. where in your documentation does it say you just do these things? And that was, I would say that it, Azure has the issue that AWS had. Cryptic documentation, examples that only fit one code base, C-sharp, 
um, kind of a clunky looking interface. It's not very polished. It works, but there's the configuration is all over the place. There's deprecate. There's like, there's options in their menus that are like, this is no longer available, but you can go ahead and use it. I'm like, what? <laughs> um, I don't know how to make it more economical in the sense that I don't know the settings I need to make that allow me to save money for the firm that I'm working for. Not that right. it matters it's on a free account, but it's like using way more memory than it needs. I don't know how to adjust those things. It was, it, it was essentially simple, but I don't, I understand. I always have understood what Heroku is doing, what Netlify is doing, what AWS is doing. And with, with Azure, I feel like I'm back in Microsoft land, which we talked about on last week on a different podcast. Um, I feel like I'm in this right. world of the Microsoft people are abstracting things so much because they want to own it. And I just am kind of along for the ride. I don't know if that's bad or good. In the enterprise world, maybe I don't care, but I'm used to caring more about the details, I guess. Yeah, and and I would say that that's been my exposure to um, Azure as well is, it, I'll put it this way, using Azure, uh, ah, using Azure is certainly not any worse than trying to spin up something on AWS. Um, I got yeah. further on Azure than I ever did on AWS. Um, but when you talk about the abstractions like Heroku or something like that, it's nowhere near that either. It's on the other end. So um, it, it, there's work to do. Yeah. And so we did. So the, the biggest, the whole point of talking about Azure was when we push to, like, what I'm used to doing is putting them up putting a test suite in place, I can run it locally. And then when I push to a deployment process, usually triggered by pushing to master on GitHub, the there I have something in the middle, Circle CI, CodeShip, what have you. And then they build up a server and they run our tests. They like they do the build, they run the test, and they maybe I add linting to it typically. And if I didn't do that on my own, the CI, the continuous integration, will then run that stuff for me and then say, hey, you got a problem. This should not go to staging. And so that's the one thing that we didn't do. But apparently, um, from what I can tell right now, Cypress builds into CI systems pretty easily. It throws the right pass fail right. messages back so that you can know, oh, my change, not only did my change pass, now it's deployed to staging. Um, and that's what we didn't do. But we also, I mean, honestly, we had no idea um, how knowledgeable our client was with using these tools if we gave them to them. And we without we didn't build for the Cypress work because it was kind of a learning thing for Megan, but when we got it working, we're like, well, let's hand it to them, write the instructions in the README if they want to use them, but 
we're not going to make this part of the process because that's another load that the client team may not be able to handle. But I, I was impressed with it. And I think, I think it was, it's great that Megan now has a testing library in her tool belt. Um, that, Oh yeah. Is by far the, one of the more powerful moves as a developer you can make. We could start, getting away from that click, click, click method of, did I break things? Okay. Well, I'll have to, I'll have to take a deeper look at it and see how it applies to scraping. And then I'll introduce Megan to the dark side. I mean, we essentially scraped, (laughs) we, we grabbed text out of elements. Oh yeah. I mean, you did, you did, but you didn't pull it as data, right? You just did it to test. Um, so it's that ne- it's that next mental switch of of what well, I, I'm using something like so when I right now when I uh, every year I go and I hit scout and I grab all of the re- football recruits and I scrape them using using sure. something on Ruby <laughs> I wrote this thing five years ago and it still works and I'm like scout you haven't changed anything on your page for years which is great. I'm always waiting for one day when it's like, I have no idea what elements yeah. you're looking for. But th- my bigger point is, I don't know why with Cypress I couldn't do the same thing. Um, right. Everything runs in a test scenario, so maybe that's the difference. But, I mean, you could do the same with, you could scrape a jQuery just as easily. I don't even know why you need. Sure, you could. And, and at the end of the day, a lot of these tools exist to automate some of the things you have to do um, when you're scraping uh, and, and to be performant. Um, and maybe that's where the, the biggest changes are is, is on performance and, and the fact that you have to do this a thousand times. Now, when I scrape, I try not to do things a thousand times in a second. I try and meter it so that the, the impact on the Host website isn't all that bad. So, so the next, so the next step for Megan well, cool. is, um, well, we are able to do some refactoring already, and then run the tests and see if we are causing bigger problems. So, we want to take this. This right. whole application has zero reason to be refactored in React. Zero. It's not big enough for it. Doesn't need that. But in a way because she has the full context in her brain of how this app works. I'm kind of, we're moving forward with, we're going to have her learn react to refactor and react with our test suite to sit there and say, Oh, you screwed everything up or your changes are still maintaining the functionality we expect. So that's probably the next step for her with that. Um, But that's, that's the benefit of the testing is, we want her to be able to make changes without the time and again, the cognitive load of every change I make is a burden. That's the, what I want. That's what I've always, my students were getting tired with when I was teaching and they were like, man, by the time I get, by the time I've added five or six features that are all intertwined, it's so much work just to see if I broke things. How do I get? How do I quit this part? Because I'm spending more time with smoke test, and I'm like, ah, okay, that's 
that's when you need to have this automated process. And I think you need it before you give it off to a QA team. Like the QA team should be there to test. Yeah, for sure. I mean, in my mind, the QA team is there to make sure that you're meeting the expectations that the product team had for your change. But it's their job is not to say, by the way, you need to recode this because you have three bugs. Like that's not the pro- that's not the goal of the QA team. And so that's why no, you still need not. testing, even if you have human beings that do that kind of um, experience testing. So, so anyway, I, I do right. highly recommend Cypress as a easy to get started with um, process. I gave Megan the tools on steps one and two. When I got back later that night, she had a bug on three and she had done four and five by herself. So it was like she looked at existing code and was able to do her own thing pretty quick. So that, that was pretty cool. So nice. Overall, yeah, I thought it was a Cypress was a great experience. I think it's worth people that are learning JavaScript to utilize it. And if someone does, has a team that doesn't have great integration testing at all, take a look at Cypress. Hit hit one of your pages and get a click, get a few click and side effect tests going. See if it isn't something you should check out for yourself. And if you want to legally scrape websites, yeah. it's probably. Um, not, not they're not all legally scraped, right? But uh, <laughs> but if you want to scrape websites, it's probably <laughs> a tool that would empower you to see if your uh, scraping is working. Because it has a really good test runner too. I should say that. Right. Um, it's uh, you can isolate tests pretty easily. It's yeah, it's an impressive library with a really good uh, uh, documentation behind it. Well, cool. I'll have to check it out. All right. All right. Well, very good. Thanks. uh, Thanks. And we'll talk again soon. Later. Thanks for listening to this old app. Show notes and previous episodes can be found on our website at www.thisoldapp.online. Reviews on Apple iTunes are always appreciated and help promote the show. For questions, comments, or things you would like to hear on future shows, please email us at hello at thisoldapp.online. Show music is Guns Blazing by Fab Claxton, licensed by Pond5. Voiceover work by MeganVoices.com. You'll hear from us soon.